All right. Good morning. Isn't it fun to watch plants grow in fast motion? Um, the ama- amazing time-lapse camera. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new with us, it's great to have you. We are, like Pastor Gabby said, starting a new series uh, this morning called Elements. And the idea in this series is that God, in his word, often takes things that we can see and hear and smell and touch, and he uses them to teach us about what a life following him looks like. And this morning, Jesus is going to do just that. He's going to talk to us about soil. And so this morning, we're going to start with a little quiz. If you got paper and pencil, you can dig it out. Also, you can just kind of like keep track in your head, but this is a competition. Kids, if you get more questions correct than your parents, they will take you out for ice cream today. That's the pastor's (laughs) promise to you. And so parents, let's buckle down. Now I will point out, parents, that if your kids beat you, you get to go for ice cream too, so you're welcome. Um, So be careful how well you do on this quiz. We're going to have a little soil quiz here. We're going to find out how much you know about soil. You ready? Get your pens, paper, pencils, your mind's sharp. All right, here we go. Soil quiz, question one. According to the American Audubon Society, how many different types of soil are found in the United States? A, 300, B, 3,000, C, 27,000, D, 70,000. Survey says? D, 70,000 different types of soil. Question two, true or false? There are more microorganisms or tiny living creatures in the average handful of soil than there are people on earth. True, that's a freebie. How many people on earth these days? Anyone know? That's right. Too many people on earth these days. No. 7.6 billion and rising. Question three. Soil is made up of 45% minerals, 25% air, and 5% organic matter or decaying plants and animals. What is the remaining 25%? A, sand. B, clay, C, water, D, iron. Answer, C, water. Good job. And here's where it gets fun. Question four. Earthworms enrich topsoil by feeding on organic material in the soil and converting it into nutrients for plants. How many earthworms can be found in the average acre of cropland? 1,400? 14,000? 140,000 or 1,400,000? How many earthworms per acre of cropland? D, 1,400,000 earthworms per acre. Question five. The largest earthworm ever discovered was in South Africa. How long was it? Two feet? Six feet, 12 feet, or 22 feet? 22 feet! And just for another point of information, 
the average length of an earthworm in South Africa, like not a special one, like the average, six feet. Aren't you glad you don't live in South Africa? <laughs> Question six, topsoil. Yeah, you're very su surprised about that. See the things you learn in church? This is useful information if you're ever on Jeopardy or something. Topsoil greatly reduces the risk of flooding by storing up to how many tons of water per acre? 92 tons, 920 tons, 9,200 tons, or 92,000 tons? How much water per acre? C, 9,200 tons. And by the way, that's about 0.01% of the Earth's total water so stored in our soil. Question seven. Does soil need more water to produce one bushel of A, wheat, or B, corn? Answer, A, wheat. Soil needs an average of 11,000 gallons for wheat and only 4,000 for 4,000 gallons for corn. Question eight, true or false? Soil acts as a filter for underground water, filtering out pollutants. True, true. Question nine, what percent of the world's carbon di dioxide emissions are stored in soil? 2%, 10%, 20%, 40%, or 40%? 10%. And the last question for our quiz, approximately how many years does it take to produce an inch of topsoil? Five years, 50 years, 500 years, or 5,000 years? Answer? C, 500 years. More information than you ever wanted to know about soil. Today we're going to talk about soil because it's an extremely important part of our world and the people in Jesus' day, they understood this. Many of the folks that lived near and around Jesus were farmers and they relied on the soil all over to grow the food that they would eat. You see, the whole farm to table concept, it did not originate in Portland. It was around way back in Jesus' day. And so one day Jesus, he gets up and he starts to teach about the kingdom of God, about what it looks like when God rules and reigns and is in control of people's lives. And to teach about this kingdom, he tells a parable. And a parable is just a story with a point, a story that teaches us something. And today Jesus says, I'm gonna help you understand how to live for God by teaching you about four different kinds of soils, four different ways we can respond to God when he teaches us how to live for him, four different people that you and I must constantly choose which one we will be. Here's the first one. I call him Harry Hardsoil. Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. Jesus says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, where Jesus lived, everywhere you looked were farm fields, and they were laid out in these very, very long kind of rows, and in between all the rows of crops were these 
these trails, these paths, about three to four feet wide, and the dirt on these paths would get packed down extremely hard from all the farmers walking, from the travelers, from the harvesters. And the dirt on these paths would get packed down uh, so extremely that they were as hard as pavement. If you've ever hiked the trails of Forest Park, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How many Forest Park hikers do we have in here today? The rest of you, shame on you. It's right there. Go hike some trails. The point is this. If a seed were to land on one of these paths, it would not grow. The roots would not be able to break through and penetrate down into this very hard pack of dirt. And Jesus says, such is the heart of hairy hard soil. This is a person, by the way, who is resistant, who is indifferent, who is apathetic, who is closed off, unresponsive to living the life that God wants them to live, to walking through this world and surrendering to him. Jesus describes it, that this person this way in verse 19. He says, when someone hears the message about the kingdom, when they receive instruction about how to live in a way that pleases God and surrenders to him. You see, this is not a parable about going to heaven. This is a parable about the kingdom, about a life that says God is king, Jesus rules, and I will live according to his ways. When someone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Now, the most important word perhaps in this entire passage is that word in verse 19, the word understand. Jesus says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, that word understand actually in the original language means to bring things together that are in conflict to take two opposing thoughts or two opposing realities and to bring them together and let them have conflict with one another. In other words, this person, this person, this hairy hard soil type, type person is not someone who simply can't comprehend the message. This is not just cognitive understanding. This is someone who does not want the conflict of the message. They don't want their way of thinking or living to be challenged by God at all. When God says to this person, I want to change this or tweak that or shift your thinking or living in this way, when God says that to you and me and we take on an attitude of, no God, I know best. That's what hard soil Harry says. He says, I know best. I don't care what you say, God. I will do it my way. Your truth is not my truth. It does not work for me. I'm in charge of myself. One time a few years ago, when we first moved to Oregon, we were out on a hike. We were on this trail over by the coast. And as we were walking along, this enormous tree had fallen and this huge log was running right alongside the trail. And so I hopped up on it, being kind of a, like a rookie to, to Oregon. I didn't realize that it's wet all the time here. And so I'm walking along this tree kind of as a balance beam, showing off for my kids. And my, my youngest daughter, Peyton, at the time she was only five, she said, Dad, you better jump down or you're going to fall. But my response to Peyton was, sweetheart, I know best. I'll do it my way. And what do you think happened right after that? 
I slipped and fell and landed on my bottom and it hurt bad. Peyton's response, told you so. Just like that, just that little smug five-year-old girl response, like, told you so, as I'm writhing in pain. Friends, some in this room are actually living that way right now. Some in this room are walking down a log thinking that they've got everything under control, that they know best, and it's just a matter of time before your feet come out from under you. Here's the question that Jesus would ask today. Have you got any hairy hard soil in your life these days? Are there any places where God is trying to challenge how you're thinking or living, but it's simply hitting the pavement and being utterly rejected? Maybe there's a behavior or a habit or an attitude in your life that the kingdom is trying to stop, trying to root out of you, that Jesus is saying, this must end. Let's turn around and go a different direction. But you just refuse to listen. No, God, I've got it under control. I'll do it my way. It will be okay. Got any hairy hard soil in your life these days? You see, that's the first response. That's the first character Jesus introduces us to. Here's the second. I call her Rachel Rock Soil. A farmer went out to sow his seed, verse 5. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now, sometimes we think about the rocky soil and we kind of picture uh, like American soil where there's rocks kind of sort of woven into and amongst the soil. This is not the image Jesus was going for here. In Israel, where he lived, where he's from, to this day, there are still large slabs of limestone that run throughout um, out the soil. And sometimes these large slabs of, of limestone will move towards the surface, leaving just a very thin layer of shallow soil for planting. And when farmers, unaware of the rock bed so, um, so shallow beneath, plant their seeds, the roots go down, and like in our video, they really want to go down, but they cannot penetrate the rock bed, and so all the energy of the plant goes up. And these plants spring to life. They shoot out, and they grow faster and taller than all the other plants around. But then what happens is the sun comes out, the soil dries up and the plants wither because their roots are so shallow. And here's what Jesus says about Rachel Rock Soil. He's, here's what he says about a person whose faith only goes so deep. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Friends, this is a person who is following Jesus, who receives the message of the kingdom, as long as it makes life good for them, as long as it feels good, as long as it fits into their plans and agendas, as long as things are easy and go smooth, they are in. But as soon as things get hard, as soon as following Jesus means pain or loss or suffering or sacrifice or service, Suddenly they're out. 
And it's not that these people necessarily walk away from the church or out and out reject Jesus. They just come on Sundays and sit in the pews. But when they leave, they're not really living for the kingdom. They no longer sacrifice for the kingdom. They, no, they are no longer surrendering their lives to God because what they figured out is that the cost is just too great. Friends, I think this character so much characterizes the world we live in. Richard Foster says, superficiality is the curse of this age. Superficiality is the curse of this age. It's everywhere you look. When things are easy, we do great. We're okay. But when things get difficult, as a culture, as a people, as a society, we bail. We change jobs. We shift friend groups. We change marriage partners. We change ministries. We change small groups. We even change churches. And maybe Jesus wants us to do a little soil analysis this morning. Maybe Jesus wants to ask this question of you and me. How deep do your roots go? How deep do your roots go? Are you living in deep relationships? Are there people who know you, who know your hopes and fears and dreams and regrets? People who really know you? Are you using your God-given gifts in ministry to have a significant impact in this world for the kingdom? Do you have a ministry? Do you see God at work in and through your life? Is there depth in your walk with Jesus? When's the last time, friends, that you had a deep, unhurried time of prayer? When's the last time you spent an extended period just connecting with the Father, just sharing the fullness of your heart, whether you're happy or joyful or sad or confused? When was the last time you just spent a considerable, a considerable amount of time sitting at the Father's feet? You see, Jesus warns us here about Rachel Rock Soil because she sometimes lives in me and she sometimes lives in you. Where is God calling you deeper today? Soil number three is a guy I like to call Thad Thornsberry. You ever know a guy named Thad? Anyone? There was a guy in our high school named Thad, wasn't there? Yeah, remember Thad? Thad Thornsberry today, verse seven. Here's what Jesus says. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. You see, here's what Jesus says about this Thad Thornsberry. This is verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. You see, here's the thing about Thad. The soil of his life, it's soft enough. It's deep enough. Those aren't the problems. The problem is clutter. The problem is compromised allegiance. The problem, in a word, is weeds. And friends, Jesus is just so wise and insightful about this condition. He says, clutter involves things like the cares of this world. 
Questions that run through our minds, questions that occupy our thinking and time and energy, questions like, what might happen? What will I do? What will they think? What could go wrong? What will I wear? What will I say? What will I post? This is a mind that is cluttered with the cares of this world. Then Jesus talks about the lure of wealth. How there is this lie we are all inclined to believe that if we only had more, if I only had more, then I'd be happy. More of what? I don't know. More of something. What is your heart inclined to want more of? What is it that you're tempted to believe that if you only had a little more of it, then you'd have peace and security and satisfaction and contentment and meaning and purpose and fulfillment? I read this week about a guy who, who writes for a magazine on the west side of Los Angeles, and the magazine is called The Good Life. And this guy who writes for it, here, here's a quote. Here's what he said. He says, according to the ads in our magazine... The good life primarily consists of fine dining and weight reduction. (laughs) According to the ads in our magazine, the good life primarily consists of fine dining and weight reduction. In other words, if you have more, if you look better, if you can become successful or popular, then you will be content. That's the lure of wealth. That's the deceitfulness of wealth. That's that thing that every single one of us is tempted to chase after in this world. Friends, we are so tempted to worry about this life, and Jesus says, all those things, they are just weeds. They're just thorns. They're just distractions. They are just things that will keep you from the life of meaning and purpose and joy and peace and deep satisfaction of fully following Jesus. Friends, Here's what Jesus tells us today in this passage. Some of us, many of us, most of us, maybe all of us, need to do some weeding. Maybe you're a workaholic and your work life is just choking the spiritual life right out of you. Some of you in here are financially overextended and it's just choking the generosity out of your life. You need to get some help. You need to rearrange your financial priorities. Some in this room, some in this room have kids that are signed up for so many leagues and clubs and lessons that you are single-handedly supporting the local park district. (laughs) For heaven's sake, for your sake, for your kids' sake, you need to do some weeding. Ask yourself, what Am I truly chasing in this world? Do I think it will really offer the satisfaction and peace and contentment it promises to? Or is it just a dead-end road? Where is Thad Thornsberry creeping into your life these days? Maybe today God is saying to you, it's time to get serious about doing some weeding. It's time to get serious about creating space for the kingdom life to grow in your heart. Because you know, you know what's amazing about weeds? They don't tend to remove themselves. 
Have you ever noticed this about weeds? They don't just pick up and move to the neighbor's lawn. You have to pull them. God says, maybe it's time to do some pulling. Let's do some pulling together. And then finally, we have soil number four. Gretchen, good soil. I really wanted to name her Gabby Good Soil, but Gabby seemed so happy about that that I felt like it was really kind of like tempting her to be prideful. And so for the sake of Pastor Gabby's humility, we went with Gretchen. Gretchen, Good Soil. Here's what Jesus says about Gretchen. Verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And here's the question I want to ask today about Gretchen. What makes her soil good? What is it that makes the soil of Gretchen's heart and life good? Jesus says the seed... Falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. There's that word again, that word that's so important. Again, it's a word that means to bring together things that are in conflict. You see, Gretchen's soil is the same as Harry's soil. It's just not packed down. Gretchen's soil is the same as Rachel's soil. She's just had some rocks removed. Gretchen's soil is the same as Thad's soil. She's just been cutting out the thorns and doing some weeding, friends. Gretchen has taken the hard-packed places of her life and she has allowed the word of God, the truth of God, to come in to conflict with those places and till up that soil. She has allowed the places where her life, her heart, her soil are in conflict with God and his kingdom. And she said, God, challenge me, change me, shape me, and take those things away. That's the difference between Gretchen and Harry and Rachel and Thad. Gretchen has seen the shallow, rocky places of her life, and she has allowed the word of God, the promise of the kingdom life, to break that rock up and take her deeper. Gretchen has invited God into the garden of her life and said, come on in, Lord, let's pull some weeds. You see, here's the point. Gretchen's soil is not perfect. The the question Jesus is asking here is not, do you have a good heart? Are you a good-hearted person? Do you have good soil in your heart? That's not the question. The question is, have you allowed the soil of your heart to get packed down, to get infested with rocks and thorns? Have the things of this life come in and taken over the allegiance of your heart or have you and are you allowing God to do the work of making sure your soil can grow the right crops? That's the point of this passage. And friends, here's the good news. Here's the good news. Some of you today, you're here and you think, man, my heart, my soil, my life, it's pretty packed down. There's a lot of rocks in me. Oh, Pastor Dave, if you only knew the thorns that are infesting me. Friends, there's good news for you today. All the kingdom needs is a crack. 
all that seed needs is a crack. You know how on a sidewalk or on a driveway, it'll just be the smallest little crack in the pavement, just this tiny little opening. And some seed manages to find its way in there. It takes root and something begins to grow. Friends, that's how God works. All he needs is the smallest opening in your heart. Maybe this morning your heart is hard or shallow or cluttered and your prayer just simply needs to be this. God, will you please find a way in? God, will you please just make a crack in my attitude towards my spouse or my boss or my mom or my son? God, but you just make a crack in my addiction to alcohol or drugs or food. God, would you just open a crack and work your way in to that place in my life when there, where there's gossip or superiority or judgment? God, would you just work your way in to that place where insecurity seems to have a grip on me and I can't let it go? God, would you do the work in my life that I cannot do myself? You see, friends, that's why we gather. This isn't a pep talk to say, now get out there and do better this week. Try harder. No, this is a chance to gather and say, we're nothing without him. We cannot do it without him. That's why every week when we gather, we share in this meal, the Lord's Supper, communion. This meal is about declaring together again that we cannot fix the soil of our lives on our own. We need someone to come in and till up the hard places and pull out the rocks and tear away the thorns. And God says, you can't do it, but I can, I will. And I've already done the heavy lifting. So friends, as you come today, as you come to this table, we come to Remember that our God is powerful enough to break up even the hardest soil of your heart. That he's strong enough to lift out even the most ominous and enormous rocks. That he can rip away even the most cutting and sharp thorns of your heart. Our God is so strong, he's so powerful that he even overcame death. And so we come to this table to say, God, we don't lean on our own strength. We lean on your strength. We lean on your power, the power that, that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that's available to us through his body that's broken, that's the bread, and his blood that was shed, that's the cup. That is the strength. That's Gretchen's strength. That's the difference between the soil of Gretchen's heart and the soil of the others. She's allowed the king, the master farmer, to do the work that he longs to do in her life. So this morning, I invite you to come to the table. But before you come, ask God this. God, is there a hard place in me? Is there a place where I'm walled off from you, walled off from your truth, walled off from your voice that you just want to open up today? Is there a rocky place in me? Have I just been kind of living shallow and thin? Do you need me to go deep with you or with relationships or maybe it's time for me to dive in and get deep in ministry and your plans and purposes for my life? Or maybe you got some thorns. 
Maybe there's some things in your life that have grown up around God's plans and purposes for you and your eyes are fixed on them and you are giving yourself for these weeds and for these thorns and God just wants to strip some things away. Ask God this morning, do you need anything from me today, Lord? Do you want to do any work in my life? And then when it's time, come to the table, take the bread, take the cup and say, God, do your work. Do your best. I want to have a heart like Gretchen. Kids, we again invite you, if you've not yet received communion, to just come with your parents and just observe and watch and talk with them this week about it. And then if they think you're ready, then next week you can join us for this meal. So I'm gonna pray and invite you to just to take a minute, talk to God, and then come. The tables will be open. Lord, we invite you to speak to us today. We thank you for your word that illuminates the deep truths of our lives and of your kingdom. We ask that you would push those down into our minds and hearts, that you would show us specifically, Lord, what you want to say to us today. We want to have hearts that are characterized by the good soil the soil that grows a crop of your kingdom and of your righteousness and of your plans and purposes. If you would do that in us, God, we need you. We desperately need you. We rely on your grace, the grace that we receive through your son and his death and resurrection. That's our prayer together. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.